0: Hello, and welcome back to our conversation about Judy Bloom. In our last episode, we learned that Judy Bloom cannot be confined to a single episode. We were so naive. So, after discussing all the subjects her books dealt with, which include divorce, parents fighting, getting a first bra, getting your first period, scoliosis, wet dreams, we decided to save the rest for today. I think we left off with something about touching a penis. And so, here is the conclusion of that conversation. Enjoy.
1: we a song, traveling along, there's a song
2: that we're singing. Come on, get happy.
0: Touching a penis. My- <laughs> well,
3: well, you could say
0: me. Mean- Again, the, the girl, oh, touching,
3: yes. yes, the girl, <laughs> touching,
0: oh, good, thank you for the differentiation. Forever, yes. and I both went
2: there. Yes, that would be forever. Forever, no one will ever forget it. No, I oh. will never forget that description of that scene. I mean, just them in the bathroom and um, meeting Ralph and all that, <laughs> and um, meet you. Yeah. <laughs> you. but the way, yes. Uh-huh. That is described, and it's not like all this, all these sentences and words. It's very just kind of c- cut and dry. But I had the picture perfect in my head, and it was and not romanticized. In no, the- oh no no not at all. Like it goes in
0: her hand, and I don't remember the exact words, but it was something like like it felt like a little mouse or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was not a lovely experience. It was just a very real experience. Yeah. There was the a
2: description. Up. There was the description. I can't believe I'm going there. But the description of the pubic hair and how, the color, like, compared yes. to the, his hair, like, on his regular head. Yeah. <laughs> she was surprised. Her, her hair? Yeah, because didn't he have red hair? And she was surprised that his
0: pubic hair was red.
2: Yeah. And then hers was like darker than her hair on her head. Like she was comparing hers <laughs> to her hair and his disc. Anyway, it was just like, we're, are yeah. we to be talking about this? You were not- I don't know. We'll have an E and I can edit it out, but I just, <laughs> I just remember all that.
0: Um, OK, so naturally, daring to discuss all of these things in books for children made them highly controversial. And she had no intention of being controversial at all. And she was just surprised that people reacted that way because she was just trying to be honest. That's all she was doing. But five of her books are on the American Library Association's list of the 100 most frequently challenged books. And on the if, if you take the newest edition of Dini and you turn it over in big letters on the back, it says, Beloved. Best-selling band, her books oh. get challenged all the time. Do you remember them being controversial when you were reading them when you were growing up, or was that something mm. that went over your head?
3: Oh, for sure, it went over my head, and to this day, I mean, it's it makes me sick that they're banned because it's real. It's she's normalizing real, real experiences but as a kid i don't remember feeling like they should be banned like feeling shocked like that i definitely remember being shocked at what was in them and maybe that's one reason that you kept wanting to read more of them right oh, what's going to be in the next one what's all right but but they were so informative
2: <laughs> you know and i wonder if i didn't have some friends who weren't allowed or weren't supposed to read it, read them um that was never me but that just put this other other to it it's like ooh like you know, it just seemed a little more risque. And that's why, you know, we passed mm-hmm. some around or um, there were the people who owned them. I remember I owned a few of them. I remember going, always going to B. Dalton Booksellers in the mall and where that section was and going to, um, you know, Bloom and seeing which uh, which copies of what books were there that I didn't have. And then loaning those out to the friends who weren't mm-hmm. um, allowed to they have them. Loud. Yeah.
0: She actually tried... um There's so many stories of her books getting challenged and banned. Um, She tried to donate Margaret to her children's school. So her own, not a random school, but her children's school. These people have Judy Bloom as one of the moms in their school. And the principal refused it because he objected to, he thought it was inappropriate for children, particularly particularly the part about periods. Oh, my gosh. You should see Carolyn's face right now. (laughs) And she's like, what about the fifth and sixth grade girls in your school? Exactly. Who are either having their period or on the verge of getting their period or want to know about what's coming in the next few weeks? I think I would pull my kids out of that school. Can you believe it? Can you even believe it? She had one phone call from a mother who said, oh, hello, this is Mrs. So-and-so. Are you the lady that wrote the books about the bras and the periods and all that? And Judy said, yes. And the woman called her a communist and hung up.
3: (gasps) (laughs) Well,
2: (laughs) yes, that's not even, I mean,
3: uh, you know what, though? Yeah, people are. And for what she
0: found is that for most people, the thing that was the most objectionable was masturbation. Masturbation was far worse than actual intercourse. You for sure, about yeah. intercourse, but
3: not masturbation. People don't like that, yeah.
0: No, even though that is a form of safe sex. <laughs> right. But no, <laughs> don't talk about it. Um, oh. She said the 80s were really rough. The 70s were actually a really good time for children's books. Um, it was Just past the sexual revolution, people were getting very open and honest about things. I mean, think about it. We had TV shows like Love American Style and Love Boat that were devoted solely to getting nookie, right? Um, (laughs) Your parents might have been hippies or hippie adjacent, and they probably were more honest than you even wanted them to be, right? But the minute Ronald Reagan was elected, she said the next day the censors came out. Mm. And people started knocking on the door and wanting books removed from their children's libraries. And it was a very rough decade. Really hard. Yikes. Um, At one point, okay, so here's to you, Rachel Robinson, which came out after we were children. Mm -hmm. That's in the 90s, I do believe. But at the end of the book, one of the characters, his name is Charlie. He's the older brother, and he's saying a toast to the family. And he says... And here's to the whole fucking family. <laughs> and that's what Charlie would say. She felt very strongly that that is what Charlie would say. And her editor's like, you can't say fucking, but she knew that's what he would say. So they took it to the editorial board and they're like, if she says that, then we're going to lose all of our book sales or our, our, our book club sales. Um, so he said, you can change it to friggin' friggin' is okay. And then we'll keep our book club sales. And so she's like, do I make that sacrifice or am I true to what Charlie would say? What do I do? So she's sharing the story with her son, Larry, Larry, who is an adult by now. And Larry looks at her and goes, You are Judy Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? You are Judy fucking Bloom. You are Judy fucking Bloom. He said, If you can't do it, nobody mm-hmm. can do it. Yeah. So it stayed. They lost all the book club sales, but Charlie got to be honest and he said Yay. what he needed to say. I love that story. Yeah. Okay, so of course the most controversial was Forever. So do you what are the things that you encountered for the very first time reading <laughs> Forever other than the
3: mouse penis? <laughs> the mouse penis <laughs> in her hand. I would say like just I was so shocked and almost horrified at the, you know, the graphic real sex scenes. Um and it was very informative mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I could get the kind of info um that maybe your mom wouldn't give you, but also the kind of info you would not want your mom to give you, no. or you would never right. want to go ask because right. usually that was just very, um, it was, it was, you know, all the feelings and all the uh, just the complications. And it also, it, sex wasn't something in that book, it wasn't something that was portrayed as being dirty, it wasn't something. You know, it was normal, like she does with all her books. It was almost normalized, right? Mm-hmm. Even though, mm-hmm. even though there was there was so many complicated feelings and everything, she wanted, she wanted, right? She wanted to have sex with him. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it was a question for sure. It was a big deal, but right, she in no way felt. Um, it was very much a personal decision, and she wasn't waiting. She wasn't thinking about God. She wasn't thinking about disappointing her parents. She wasn't Mm-mm. thinking about. It was just, do I want to have sex with him? Should I do and- that? It's a big deal.
3: Yeah, and it was just the fr- and I I probably read it way too young cuz I had an older sister. Um not as young as my daughter read it. I'll save that story for later, but um <laughs> <laughs> but um I just think I was so intrigued as you would be by that book and almost horrified, but I I don't remember being like disgusted by it. I think I was shocked, you know, that that she was going to do it, but I think more than anything just it was a book where it was told in such a way that, yeah, it wasn't, the only way I can think that I keep saying is that it wasn't, it didn't seem dirty to me or it didn't seem wrong no, or bad. Um, and and as a, I have no idea how old I was, but while it was certainly shocking and I was horrified at it and it's like I couldn't tear my eyes away from it, mm-hmm. um, it didn't leave me feeling um, like like it was wrong. You know?
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably her point is that she's trying to show that, you know what? Teenagers have sex. They have been having sex the whole time. This is not something because our society is falling
2: apart. Right. And I'm going to go, so just be honest here. In my first um, encounter with Forever, was not reading from the front for the first page all the way to the last page and mm-hmm. go, it was literally yeah. flipping through and seeing where I saw the word Ralph or penis. And then I would <laughs> stop and I would read that section. So there was no plot to my, <laughs> my first encounter with forever. It was truly fine looking for the, you know, risque parts. But then I did <laughs> did a little bit later go back and I did read the whole thing. And I think it would have been my first encounter. This girl was seventeen mm-hmm. and just the discussion of birth control and she goes and gets some like she goes to planned parent. I would have no sooner even known probably how to do that when yeah. I was that no, age. I would yeah. have no idea that you had she do that. Very oh. adult or mature in mm-hmm. um in her approach to mm-hmm. to everything, but the whole birth control and taking ownership of that, I just thought was, I mean, that was my first encounter with that, that you could kind of call the shots, I yeah. guess, as the female yeah. in the story. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, the guy was going to do everything. If there was birth control, it was going to be a condom. She Definitely. approached it in such
3: a responsible way. And I feel like, you know, especially the way it all ends is what um, – when I did have to have the talk about the book with my daughter who was way too young when she got her hands on it, that's the message. The message that I gave her was that she made this choice. She felt good about the choice when she made it, but she didn't after, you know, because, because it didn't end the way she thought it was going to end. And so she had a lot of regret. Um, And so, you know, then that could just kind of be a, you know, a jumping off point you know for my daughter who was only 10 maybe <laughs> when she when she discovered the book and read it and I after I knew after the fact and I was like all right well it's not wrong that you read it you know but we need to have some cuz i bet you have a lot of questions <laughs> um but you know of course the way you t- is is you know it's a very emotional thing look how you know look how emotional it was for her yeah. and and i think at the end she wished she wouldn't have done it at least that's the way that i Oh, well,
0: at the well, that was a, romance, a takeaway I always it's not a romance novel, right? This is something right. far more than a romance novel because at the end, it, just like all teenage relationships, except for a handful of them, you don't walk off into the sunset and get married mm-hmm. and live happily ever, ever after. That's not how it goes. And so the discussions that I've had with my own kid about what it means to have sex when you're a teenager is that it is an emotional decision and you have to be prepared for mm-hmm. it. What if it doesn't go well? And what does it mean um, for your self-worth? And what does it mean for who you are and how you feel about the other? Ugh, I'm rambling now. You know what I'm talking about. No. Um, my, I had all the same revelations as you guys about forever with the addition of the scrotum. I'm making a hand, very particular <laughs> hand motion right now. There you are. I, <laughs> the fact
3: She's like drawing her hand down <laughs> as she got it in her hand. <laughs> She's just been giving up like a little bag of gold. Yeah. Yeah. Christian, Christian, we know what the word means. Oh, I don't have to demonstrate. Oh. No,
2: we're good. And this is a podcast.
3: <laughs> that's right.
0: We don't have to be too descriptive about the scrotum. The idea that that came into play was just sort of a revelation for me. <laughs> and the fact that, remember when she put the cologne on yes, and it? <laughs> yeah. So I did learn don't put cologne on the scrotum. So that was very <laughs> instructive. When I I read Forever, also really young. I was probably fourth grade. Okay. And, oh, what? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Got passed around, had lots of underlining in it, right? But I did read it cover to cover. And I hid it under my mattress because I think I got it from Allison Houck. Hello, Allison. Um I'm totally outing Allison Houck now is giving me forever. And my mom found it under my mattress. And the next morning, I'm sitting at the kitchen table eating breakfast, and she slams forever down oh. the table, and she said, are you reading this trash? And oh. I said, I, I don't know what made me be honest, because normally my instinct would be to lie. And I just said, yes, I am. And she said, okay, and just left it there at my That's plate. Not-
3: huh. Never had a discussion about it?
0: No. No, I mean, I'm sure if my mom was on the podcast right now, she's like, No, we had a lovely discussion. And I said, If you ever have any questions, come (laughs) over. I taught you what a scrotum was. Right. That is not how I recall it. I re- It could have been one of those moments where I'm like, please stop talking.
3: Please. please, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm quite certain my daughter would say the same thing. Like, yeah. oh, really? Why did I read this book? Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, I'm sure you have a lot of questions and I'm here to answer them. Uh, and on. she was probably just going, nope, nope. And I was like, well, here I have some for you. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you my answers anyway. How do you feel about scrotums, honey?
0: <laughs> um, okay, so the great irony, of course, is that getting your book banned is great for sales. (laughs) And it just makes, I mean, that's why they put it on the back of Deanie because it makes kids really want to see what all the fuss is about. So to all you moms out there who are thinking on marching on your school library to get a book taken out, you're only making the kids read it more. Um, So that certainly adds to the appeal of her books, but it's more than that. The popularity of these books, the enduring popularity of them begs the question Well, okay, I should say also that I um I haven't been in a library for, for a few years, so I called up my friend Gretchen, who is the library coordinator at our local middle school, and I just wanted to verify, are we still reading Judy Bloom? I mean, clearly, they're still in print. They don't print books if nobody's buying them. But I just wanted to see if it was the same sort of thing that was going on when we were kids. And she said, absolutely, mostly Margaret and Fudge. Margaret and Fudge are never in. They're always checked out. She said the diehards are still reading Sheila and Blubber and all of the rest, and... Interestingly enough, there is always a noticeable spike after Banned Books Week, which hmm. is end of September. Every year, the American Library Association does a campaign about banned books and why it is that we shouldn't ban banned books. The library is a place that is free and open. You have the uh, the ability as a parent to determine what your children do and do not read, but you don't have the ability to determine what my children do and do not read. Um, Did I say that right? That sounded awkward. Um so she says that yes judy bloom is still a thing 50 years later so what is it specifically that makes these books so universally appealing to kids over such a long period of time which is let's just say this that is the definition of a classic right not yeah, sure. we have lots of classics that nobody reads anymore nobody gives a shit about tom
3: sawyer do you want to read uh-huh. tom Sawyer? Tom <laughs> it's because all the things that it's because kids are still fifty years later going through the exact same things. Oh my god! They're still going through puberty and divorce, and they're still having to struggle with mental health. And you know, there's still um, there's friendship issues and body image issues and bullying. Kids are still going through the same things that they were going through in the early seventies that she wrote she wrote about. And so it's still. I know we keep using this word, but it's. It's so true. She just normalizes it so the reader doesn't feel alone. And so the characters are so relatable and the situations are so relatable. And it
0: really kind of points out that we think things change, but they don't. Just it, the things that we want, the way we want children to be, the way we want families to be, that's what changes. But the way things really are really doesn't change. Mm-hmm. One of the things that surprised the hell out of me is she said one reason it was so important for her to put masturbation in her books is because she was so worried that this special place that she had that gave her good feelings, she, if she had had a book that told her that that was normal, it would have been a huge relief to her. And she said all of her friends had a special place that gave them a good feeling. And this is in the 1940s and 50s. Mm-hmm. It's not any different.
2: Yeah, I think reading her books was the first time as a reader that I had that me too feeling. Like when I could identify with a character on such a level that you're like, yes, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, for me personally, one of the reasons I love to read. It's just knowing that something I thought that made me a little different um, obviously if it's in a book and a lot of people are Mm -hmm. reading it, then there must be a lot of other people that feel this way. And that was, you're not um, alone. Yeah, exactly. And that her books were the first time I experienced that feeling, Mm -hmm. which is a really good feeling to have.
0: Okay. And so I do have to say that the word masturbation, I did not put the word masturbation together with Deanie's special place when I read it. Um, And still to this day, I don't think that there's a contemporary book that says as much about masturbation as Deeney from 1972 or whatever it was. That is still the book that addresses it to the biggest degree. It makes no sense to me. But anyway, when you read about Deeney's special place that
3: gave her a good feeling,
0: did you know what she was talking about? Or did you think the special place
3: was someplace else? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember if I did or not.
0: I thought it was right here. Your armpit? I thought it was your Jeez. armpit. I
3: thought, her, I thought it was her armpit and that gave her a good feeling. Hey, it's not a bad feeling. No, it's not. Nice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh god, that's yeah,
2: I don't I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember if I did or not. Yeah, I don't remember. Or I don't remember if I blacked it out, like blocked it out because I didn't want. To think about that mm-hmm. about myself so it's like right because you'd
0: be so dirty yeah yeah um okay so one thing i've been trying to analyze this for years because people spend so much time talking about good literature bad literature good writing bad writing and as three writers we're constantly looking at what we can do to improve our writing right but one thing that i think is that has made her book so appealing is the simplicity of the writing Mm-hmm. She doesn't spend a lot of time on descriptive paragraphs. She um, her sentences are not very complex. There are very few compound sentences. Um, and even the grammar in them, I, I found I was going through some notes and I found something a little note in a margin that said grammatical chillaxing. <sighs> which she just she just said what children say. She mm-hmm. said me and my friend. Me and Carolyn, me and Michelle, whereas my mom was constantly harping on me. You put your friend first. You always put your friend first. And so when I write, of course, I always put Carolyn and I, Michelle and I. Well, she's like, no, I'm not doing that because that's not how they talk. Mm -hmm. I think that's very appealing. And so when children are reading it, the way that it sounds to them, it is ingested in a very natural form. And it finally, I can't believe it took me this long but it was in reading, then again, maybe I won't, just yesterday, where it finally dawned on me, this reads like a diary. Mm. Huh. Right? Yeah. It's not yeah. complex. It is how a child would talk in their own words. They don't go on and on. Um, it's even in past tense to a certain degree. And it feels so utterly personal. So it's awesome when something that is personal to you is also personal to someone else. All of these books that we're talking about made an impact on us personally, right? But they were a part of the broader culture too. Um, and luckily, I have some like minded friends who will do crazy, crazy things with me, like looking for Sally J. Friedman all over the state of <laughs> Miami with my friend Colleen. And if you listen to our previous episode, um, about Christmas, Colleen is the little bitch who threw her Christmas presents down the stairs. (laughs) So in the mid-90s, when we were well into adulthood, Colleen and I drove around the city of Miami, and we were basically using Sally J. Friedman as our guidebook. Um, I don't know. So I had a discussion with Colleen about it this week, and we were able to sort of piece together our memories of that um, adventure that we took together, so you can take a listen to it right here.
1: I feel like we... Stopped at an elementary school and were convinced that that was the one she went to. Because we knew that Judy
0: Bloom, it wasn't just Sally, we knew that Judy Bloom was Sally J.
1: Exactly. So
0: because we knew that Judy Bloom had spent a year in Miami without her father, we knew that she had to have chosen certain places in the book. So what I was wondering when I was thinking about this, I'm like, was there an actual like prescribed tour and places? But no, we made this up, didn't we?
1: Oh, we absolutely did. <laughs> we absolutely <laughs> did. Us. We were like, that's the apartment <laughs> right there. That's, that's the where that is with her brother who had kidney disease that could be healed by the sun.
0: That's why they went to Miami and had to leave exactly. daddy in New Jersey. Exactly. So it must've had a lot to do with, what we envisioned in our brains when we were reading the book and then driving around Miami looking for an image that matched the image in our brains.
1: Exactly.
0: Oh, we are clever. (laughs) Very good. So we went to an elementary school and we took pictures there. And then we found an apartment building and we took pictures there. I mean, we took pictures of things that we were making up. This is hilarious.
1: Absolutely. Nope. And seriously, I can picture the yellow apartment building that we stood in front of.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Like all these pastel colored art deco, South beach, Miami themed things.
1: I also remember potentially nearly getting hit by a car because we were distracted. Oh God. (laughs) Maybe crossing a road when we shouldn't have been like, Oh, look at that.
0: Like the cat. Who was the cat that got hit by a car? Was it like bongo or something? Bingo bongo. Somebody's cat. It was the neighbors. The beautiful neighbor's cat got Omar. Omar. The cat's name was Omar, and he got hit by a car, and it was very sad. I feel like we just walked around and like pretended we were Sally Jay on sidewalks. These were women yeah. in their 20s. Like we must have been in our late 20s when we were doing this. We have amazing imaginations.
1: I'm kind of impressed with us. We do. And we're both short and we look <laughs> young. So maybe we thought we could pass as Sally. Okay. I think we put hibiscus in our hair. <gasps> to pretend that we were esther williams yes we did <laughs> there i know there are hibiscus all over miami i think they were even in my parents yard
0: oh my, yes we totally did and did we find a pool where esther williams would have done a, her little swimming routine
1: we made it up but yes in our minds esther williams was at that pool <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: like this is the pool where they filmed the scene
2: Kristen didn't you get a chance to meet Judy Bloom recently I think I remember you sharing something about that okay so peak experience
0: for those of you who don't know I don't know this story
3: oh my god okay I'm like sitting on the edge of my chair
0: buckle up Michelle So Judy Bloom owns a bookstore in Key West, Florida, right? Books and books, and I was there a couple of years ago. And of course, I steer my family to Key West. Like, we—I'm not telling them why, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm like, we're going to go see Judy Bloom every day. I go to the bookstore in hopes of seeing Judy Bloom Mm -hmm. every day. She's not there. Finally on the last day I go it's my last opportunity I'm going to go straight from the beach to books and books and I'm I'm sandy and I'm sweaty and I'm sunburned and I smell bad and I'm all greasy and I walk in and oh my god there's Judy Bloom oh my god <gasps> and you guys I had to bite my cheek so that I wouldn't cry like, Aww. I don't and it's me and a bunch of little girls. <laughs> and we're, like, standing there, like like clapping her hands, like, it's Judy Bloom, it's Judy Bloom. And so I patiently wait my turn because everyone in the store wants to talk to Judy Bloom, right? And so I go up to her and I ask, I'm super nervous. I'm and I've oh, got, yeah. got a speech that I've planned and everything, and I'm super nervous. And um, and I ask if I can take a selfie, and she says no. And she's <laughs> i like, oh, oh, okay. Um but then she says, but we can't have our, we can have someone take our picture. So what she means is you, I, you can't hold your hand up with your phone. And right. Take a picture of us. So somebody took our picture and I just look ridiculous because I'm so freaking happy. And can we please put it on Instagram? Oh, yes. Definitely. OK. <laughs> I'm so freaking happy and I'm sweaty and sandy and sunburned. Um, But this was coinciding to a time when I had written this book that we've talked about before. It's a a book for children about a seventh grade girl with a crush on a singer, on a Sean Cassidy style singer, right? And so I was able to go in there. You guys, I vented to Judy Bloom, and I told her all the things that editors were telling me and they were telling me things like, you can't write about crushes in middle grade books. You have to do it in young adult. You can't talk about crushes for... 11-year-old girls, you can't say the F word, which I do only one time, (laughs) one time when she really needed it. It was a really important part of the book. And Judy Bloom was incensed for me. She was incensed and she said, That is just ridiculous. I had my first crush when I was in first grade, and his name was Jim. And then she takes me by the hand and she pulls me (gasps) over to the shelf and she starts pulling down her books and opening them to pages and going, Look at this, is where she had her crush on him, and she has a crush on him here. That is all like ridiculous. Then she takes a post-it note and she pulls me behind the register and she's like, okay, tell me your name. She writes my name on a post-it and then she says, tell me the name of your book. And she writes the name of my book on a post-it note. I know. How do I not know this story? I know. I know because I hold it right here in my heart. And I was just going to tell you that we hugged and I left, but you guys, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I just felt like I got a hug from her. I don't know if I actually did, but the way she treated me felt like a warm hug. I bet I talked to her for 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. She actually works at this bookstore. She's what do you think she did with the post it note? I don't know. Well, I saw her put it on behind the register. She put it on the little wall behind the register.
2: Yeah, she wants to make sure when that book comes in that to be prominently displayed on one of the front tables.
3: I was thinking that maybe she would have been like, I'm going to call my agent. Oh, God. And yeah, that would have been great. So, How did you even bring it up? I don't know. I don't know.
0: I But I went in there with the idea that I'm not trying to get help. I'm needing to tell her that I have this problem. And mm-hmm. the editors are telling me that I'm doing it wrong. And they're saying that I'm doing something wrong. In an arena that I know is true. I know that 11 year old girls have crushes on people like Sean Cassidy.
3: And i did this, right? Did you ever get to gush to her, like how much you mean to me and how much your books oh, meant to me? Or yeah. did you even? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I brought about five books and I had her sign them all. I told
0: her all about Sally J. I told her everything. Yes. I'm, and actually, you guys, it was just like I have a David Cassidy story that's like this too, but I had to be mindful that there were other people who wanted to talk to her. And I (laughs) hated myself. I'm like, Kristen, you have to give someone else a turn. Because she was really,
3: she was really focused on me. And I had to let somebody else get their picture taken with Judy Bloom. I'm in complete shock with this story. Also because for the past two months we've brought up talking about Judy Bloom books so many times. And never once were you like, oh, by the way, met her. She signed some books for me. She's my friend. We're friends now. She's my bridesmaid. Wow. That's fantastic. I know. I know. That's really just a tremendous story. I know.
0: Isn't it great? And she, yeah. I feel like, although this isn't true, this is in my mind, I feel like we have this special relationship. And I continue to order books from books and books. If you Naturally. are looking for an alternative online book buying experience, Books and Books in Key West, Florida is fantastic. They have a really great, um, easy intuitive ordering platform they have a great newsletter with great book recommendations there's a letter from judy that comes out and she gives her book recommendations so i recently ordered the newest paperback of margaret from books and books naturally and you guys they called me i just want everybody to buy their books there the people at books and books called me and said oh we noticed that you ordered are you there god it's me margaret would you like judy to sign it so, of course, I said, yes. How nice of them to call me. But so they, <laughs> they're like, OK, so she's quarantining with her daughter in Massachusetts. So we're going to send it to Judy in Massachusetts and she'll sign it and then the, she'll send it back to the store and then we'll send it to you. Oh, oh my. my
3: gosh. I know. <laughs> Jesus, Christian, you should have led with this story. This is amazing. <laughs> You know what? This is a good little treat for the listeners who have stuck with us this long. I know. This is a well, and that's Uh absolutely true because it's very
0: difficult to keep this conversation to a reasonable amount of time because it's like when you were 12 and you're at the slumber party, and what are you talking about? You're talking about when is everybody going to get their period, who's got their period, and who doesn't. And we're still having the same conversation today, you guys, except we're doing it in reverse. Instead of saying, did you get your period? We're saying, are you still having your period?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Where's the luck?
0: I know. So it's just, it's not possible to bring a conversation like this to a natural end because girls and women need each other. We continue to need each other, especially in times like this. And we're still trying to make sure that we're normal. We're still excited for the changes that are coming, right? We are on the verge of it, the three of us. I'm looking, at, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at Carolyn, right? Oh, so, yeah. I just have to end it here. And I will do so by sharing with you some of the rejections that Judy Bloom received from editors when she first started submitting her books. Just to show you that people don't know Jack. <laughs> Are you ready? We're ready. Yeah. Dear Judy, unfortunately, I'm not sure this is a children's story. Parents would dig the humor. But not children.
3: Mm. Do we know what book that's for?
0: Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Mm. (laughs) What? I know. Dear Judy, I'm sure you're a really nice girl. But get out your hanky and prepare to cry. Because you just can't write.
3: What? That's a little harsh. I know. Yes. Dear Judy,
0: you're a nice girl but you'll never be a writer.
2: What are they doing calling her a girl?
0: Oh, yeah. Both, two of them called her a nice girl. Of course, those were men, right? Of course. Of course. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Judy Bloom, for not quitting. And thank you all for listening.
2: Yes, thank you all so much. We do have one favor to ask you, though. If you could leave us a review and a rating and maybe even subscribe to our podcast, we would be so grateful. When you're just starting out, you need all the love and support you can get. And we are so appreciative of yours.
3: And we hope that you're following along on social media. We're having so much fun sharing nostalgic memories with all of you. Just search Pop Culture Preservation Society and check out our website at poppreservationists.com to learn more about us and to get access to all of our past episodes. And there's a whole bunch of other fun stuff on there, too.
2: Yeah. Past episodes. And we want you to come join us next week for our future episode, which will be sad songs from the 70s. Hope to see you then. In the
0: meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast courtesy of Janet, Chrissy and Jack Tripper. To good times. To happy days.
2: To Little House on the Prairie.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. See you next week
1: We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song